Welcome to the Thundercast, your martial athletics podcast produced by the fans, for the fans, with your hosts, Russ Livingood and KD Hudnall. We're bringing you the thundering word on the thundering herd each and every week. So keep it right here. The Thundercast is on the loose. Thanks for downloading another episode of the Thundercast. You can find us on Twitter at Thundercast underscore pod. And please like, rate, review, and subscribe to the show in your favorite podcasting outlet, including the big ones, of course, Spotify, Apple Podcasts is probably where most folks are going to go. But if you'd also like to take a second and go over to the Thundercast YouTube channel and subscribe there as well, we got a lot more content that's going to be going over to that part of the world uh, moving forward, including probably this episode and uh, some other stuff we've got moving forward. And that's where you can find, of course, Thundercast live at all the home football games, which was awesome. We debuted that this past weekend and we'll talk about that in a little bit. We've got a jam packed show. Once again, a big football victory, a huge game coming up, lots more uh, games around the herd. And Russ, as always, has got five wicked awesome things we're going to talk about. But before we get into all that, let's get a quick word from our sponsors at 304carwreck.com. If you've been hurt in a wreck, visit 304carwreck.com on the web or on Facebook. Our roads are full of uninsured drivers. When they hurt you, your insurance company can become their insurance company. Insurance companies take your money every month but they fight you when it's their turn to pay. Don't be a victim twice. Jason and Matt can't protect you from uninsured drivers, but they can protect you from the insurance companies. Find them at 304carwreck.com. Russ, it was a fun weekend, first of all. Uh, I was in yes. Huntington this past weekend, and we're going to talk about all that moving forward when we get into our you know, recap of the Norfolk State game. But uh, let's talk about what we've got going on this week. Let's give herd fans everything. Well, not everything, five things they need to know, uh, just like we start every episode. Yeah, sure. And before I do these, I just want to put a little tidbit out there about the uh, YouTube channel. Uh, we had a couple other things that came up from our Thundercast Live that were moved out as individual little quick hitters. So all the interviews that we did are on there. So please stop by and look at those. All right, let's kick it off on our five things every herd fan needs to know this week. As always, sponsored by Ignite Link, the Tri-State's premier IT management team. Number one, men's soccer is now ranked number eight in the nation after knocking off number two, Pitt, at home on Friday. KD, we were in. We would have loved to have been there for that game, but we had an event that night that we were feverishly getting ready for. But we kind of followed along on uh, ESPN and watched some of that game while it was happening. Tell me how huge that was of a night for herd soccer and I Marshall. I mean, do we do we we even, do we even have to talk about how huge that was? Um, Grant, now tongue in cheek, of course. Uh, somebody, the Sun Belt account, or somebody tweeted out like that it was a stunning victory. Of course, I said it was not a stunning victory. We were already the better team. We just had to play the game. So it's not really that stunning when you already think of yourselves as a national championship contending team. But any way you want to slice it, when you are facing a top five team, a top two team at home in your house, and you are able to get that victory, 
Um, I'm not even going to say it was an eked out victory. Marshall went up two to nothing. Yeah. And they didn't have to fend off and hope the time ran out. Now, it was the Herds game from beginning to end. So let's call it what it was. This was a convincing win, not a, not a stunning win. Uh, the herd proved who the better team was in front of a packed, packed Hoops family field. I mean, it was a hot ticket, and we had tickets, but of course, hey, we gave ours away. We wanted yeah. some fans to be there in that moment, witness that event. I would have loved to have gone, like you said, but we had obligations, other obligations. Um, but any other time, if if our uh, pre- previous obligations hadn't been going on that particular night, we would have been, we would have given our tickets away and then went and bought more tickets so that we could have gone. Period. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think uh, if you didn't see the stats on that or whatever, I know you did. I'm talking to others, but Matthew Bell, our freshman uh, extraordinaire, got both of our goals. He did that earlier, uh, had a couple of goals in uh, an exhibition game in the preseason, uh, showing a little bit of his talent. But against the number two team in the nation, freshman, uh, just shows how talented he is getting both of our goals. Oliver Simla, again, shutting down the team uh, that he, that's kicking at him. And we are but one small little errant kick away from remaining undefeated. Uh, that uh, that game earlier that we dominated, whistle to whistle, and lost one to nothing. And they had one shot on goal against us, and that was the one that beat us. But this just shows, man, this year's team, Coach has been saying it might be the deepest team he's ever had here, uh, the most talented team he's ever had here. I'm just saying, look out. I mean, it's pretty scary. We've we've yeah. said that over and over. You've already got a national championship under your belt, and you think this is the best team that you've ever put on the pitch? Well, okay. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's not going to get any easier. Marshall's got one more game. We'll talk about this. And then the SBC conference slate comes in with the haymaker right off the bat when you talk about uh, top five University of Kentucky. So yeah. it's not going to get any easier. Uh, you know, the the team that comes out of the Sunbelt Conference with a championship is going to be ridiculously battle-tested. Now, of course, that's far down the line, and we'll talk about that when those things come. But this weekend, this game, it was awesome to see um, Hoops Family Field almost at near capacity and it, given if, if there weren't, like I said, if there wasn't another event that had us occupied, I feel confident that not only we two, but we probably could have got a dozen other people to come with us to the game. So it, it was just a bummer. That would have been a lot of fun to go to. But, man, what a, what a great way to kick off this episode. Huge win. Um, but the herd was already the better team. And that um, mention about the Sunbelt Conference that you had, you know, we just had a discussion and a couple of fans online had opined that, hey, that's a step down going to the Sun Belt, and maybe they're thinking football only, which I still think they're dead wrong, obviously. But just think about what you're saying here is whoever comes out of the Sun Belt is in the driver's seat and or one of two driver's seats probably with the ACC. Uh, it's their first year back. I know they only had a one-year hiatus, but, you know, the teams that came in with Marshall, uh, you know, Kentucky, South Carolina, WVU, Old Dominion, uh, we just, and James Madison, we just stacked the Sun Belt in soccer and got a couple of them in the top uh, probably five after this coming week. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, University of Kentucky's already number five. Marshall's knocking on the door at number eight. I mean, a little, a few little shakeups here and there, and and uh, you know, you got two top five teams potentially, and and West Virginia's still down there. They're like number twenty three, so they're still in the top twenty five. Um, look, man, it's it's a it's a fun place to be right now if you're a herd soccer fan. For sure. And and it may change obviously before then, but number five Kentucky, they were number five before they beat number ten Louisville with that number five ranking. So I mean, they could theoretically even shoot up over number four, number three. So a lot of good stuff with soccer. Yep. Number two, we had a scheduling situation that was announced last week, uh, late in the week on uh, a radio show where the AD Christian Spears said we have a schedule announcement that will be announced and it's this week as that as this is as you're listening to this obviously it uh it might not be news to you um but football will be playing at NC State in 2023. Yeah, that's uh a one and done right now. We don't know if that'll turn into anything else, but for right now we're going to call it what it is. It's a one and done. It's a money game. And it's one of those games. Yeah, we've played NC State a few times over the past few years, and it's been um, a, a well-received game. It's a game that folks can hop in the car and drive down to Raleigh. It's not that far away. You can be, you know, from Huntington into Raleigh in six hours, six and a half hours, you know. So you can make the trip. Uh, you can see the herd play. And, you know, the with all the shuffling that has gone on, you saw yesterday across social media outlets Cincinnati forums were uh, and talking about, you know, we have to drop the game with NC State, and that perked up a lot of ears in Kelly Green and White. Yeah, I saw it, you know, mm-hmm. and folks were like, ooh, that's interesting. That that could be us. Well, your speculation is is accurate. You know, it's because of the Cincinnati's move to the Big 12. They potentially are going to be playing nine conference games, so they have to drop an out-of-conference game, and bam, look who needs a game, the old herd. Just a stone's throw away from Raleigh. Makes a great uh, matchup. NC State's tough. They're really good this year. They're probably going to be really good next year. But uh, we we think the herd's going to be really good this year and could be even better next year. So this could be uh, a really good opportunity for Marshall to notch a, a marquee win, get a b- big uh, paycheck while they're at it, and a game that the fans can travel to. I mean, I don't know how many boxes you have to check before – it makes for basically the perfect matchup, but that's a lot of boxes to check on this one. Sure is. And you mentioned six hours and obviously that's from Huntington, but you know, think of our fans down in Beckley or Bluefield that are a little bit further down. Think of all of our fans in the uh, triangle area already in, uh, in and around Raleigh. We've got a a large contingent in Charlotte and it wouldn't be too far up the road for those uh, guys to go. So uh, I'm excited about it. You mentioned that it's a money game. Uh, that is true. But remember, we already got that money from Navy, which created this situation in the first place, too. So, you know, getting paid in multiple angles for uh, this game. So great opportunity all around. Yeah. I mean, getting paid from multiple angles, like you said. And I mean, let's let's call it what it is. This is an upgrade on the schedule. Right. This yeah. is one that if Marshall strings together a really special season next year, as does NC State. 
Uh, that's one that folks will point to and go, this herd team's pretty good. You know, they yeah. beat a, you know, let's just fate. They beat an ACC champion NC state. Let's just say you got a hat I can borrow. Yeah. Here, throw, <laughs> throw, throw on my speculation. Hat <laughs> I'm just saying it would, it makes for good conversation. If both teams string together, good seasons, it's a quality win for either team. If both teams are, you know, 10 win teams. Yeah. And let's uh, revisit that new out-of-conference schedule that we have. We've got uh, ECU, Virginia Tech, and now NC State in 2023. And with, you know, obviously a minor team in Central Connecticut uh, as an FCS opponent that we had to tack in there as well. But we've got six home games. We've got uh, three very good out-of-four out-of-conference opponents. So Schedule looks pretty good, and you know that we're going to have a really good in-conference schedule, provided we don't have a big drop-off from the East Division. I mean, it's going to be tough. If you're looking forward to next year, you're going to go to App State, you're going to go to Coastal, and you're going to go to Georgia State. Uh, Hurts will be spending a lot of time in North and South Carolina next yeah. year. So, look, even with all that, all those games accounted for, that is such a short amount of travel, you know. Uh, it's a good schedule. It, it's, it's a really competitive schedule. It's, it's one that Marshall fans should be excited about now with this news out. I mean, central Southern Eastern Connecticut tech state aside, all the other games just offset that tremendously. East Carolina, Virginia tech, NC state and the conference slate. I mean, come on, you gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do to fill out the schedule, but dang, I mean, 11 of 12 is pretty daggone good, you know? Yeah. All right, moving on, number three, keeping it with football. Donation tickets are available to be purchased. They are $10, and they go to a local network of um, nonprofits, I guess, that we're, we're working with already, a program that we have set up. So we've heard some fans say, wish I could make it. Well, you know what? Throw 10 bucks at a ticket, and you can have someone sit in a seat that you otherwise can't make it to. Yeah, that's a, this is a really cool initiative. And I should say, when you say we, it doesn't mean you and I. We are not doing this. This right. is just something that exists. We are talking as we, as we are Marshall. Marshall is uh, participating in this really cool initiative. And it's it, there are fans that would love to go to games that just for one reason or another, whatever the uh, circumstances are, you know, can't get to those games. But they'd really like an opportunity to see Marshall once a year, twice a year, whatever however many times it can go. And if you can't go to a game and you're like, man, that's a bummer. You can still do some real good 10 bucks, donate 10 bucks and send, you know, somebody, some kid to a game. I mean, what's not to feel good about that? Do that, you know? So <clears throat> from what I understand, these are like uh, carryover type things from game to game. So, you know, let's say for example, they raise, a thousand bucks and they have, you know, they're going to send a thousand dollars worth of $10 tickets to a game. Well, a hundred people don't go. So they're just going to carry over the balance to the next game. It's not like, well, we've got to start from zero and see how many we can send. No, all the money that I know that I've learned about, uh, at least from what I know about this is just going to carry over. So it's always going to be a butt in a seat, not just a, uh, you know, well, we had this money and it didn't go to use it. So, um, you, you should you should feel good about the fact if you donate 10 bucks somewhere throughout the course of the season, that's going to equate to a butt in the seat. Yeah. 
and we've talked about butts in the seats and this wasn't one of the five things, but we just had for an FCS opponent, 24,607 people. So imagine a situation where you say, well, I wasn't able to go. Uh, and a hundred people said I wasn't able to go, but you know what? I would like to have for $10, someone sit in my spot because I live out of state and I couldn't make it. So that would have increased it even more. You know, we could have 5,000 people eventually say that yeah maybe not likely but hey man it's 10 bucks and i may you know throw 10 bucks a game towards the you know putting another person in there when i'm able to do it yeah it's just a good initiative i mean why not why not spread the love yeah um over to number four kennedy coleclaw former marshall player for women's basketball is coming back and she will be now a special assistant to the head coach of women's basketball i mean bringing 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 the herd back home is always a good thing i think every one of us feel good about that when we hear those type of things uh we we saw it earlier this year with men's basketball adam williams coming back and joining the coaching staff and now we're getting a little taste of that with the women's basketball team uh i just i like this kind of stuff you know i, I mean i love when we bring in coaches that have a history here um, but when we bring in coaches that oh, we used to play here, that t- kind of takes it to another different level because, you know, those folks just get it, you know, and uh, a lot of a lot of fan bases across the country, a lot of schools across the country say the same thing. And, and I'm not saying they're wrong. You know, if you get if you go to a certain school, there's things about that school that are different, even though you're playing the same sports doing the same things a lot of things are the same there are things about every single college and university across this country that make it special and that's very apparent here at marshall so anytime you can bring a a former herd player former herd coach back it just feels good most of the time so this is one of those feel good things that you're bringing this week i like that and we uh, discussed a couple of times, we said this is probably the last coaching change or addition or whatever that we'll have uh, when they elevated a couple of people. Uh, a few weeks back, I think it's been definitely in the last month. And, well, we were wrong because here's yet another one. So I'm going to go ahead this time. I don't know if I'll throw the speculation hat on. I think I'll just say this is probably it. Uh, I know I did that last time, but I think this is probably it. We just keep it. using the word probably and you're fine. You're but fine. listen, listen, this is the only time we'll ever make any kind of a mistake. <laughs> the only time. Only time. All right. Number five, um, a little bit of preliminary work has been done on breaking ground for the baseball stadium. Yes, it has. Uh, I saw the, I don't know what, it, I don't know. You would know the proper name for the piece of equipment that is setting there. It's an excavator. There you go. There's an excavator sitting there with a big banner hanging on it that says like future site of, you know, her baseball or future home of her baseball or something. I like could, that. I could also tell you the, uh, model, the mate, uh, <laughs> the, the person, uh, that was inside of it because he's a friend of mine, you know, <laughs> customer, you know, it's, it's his that he owns. But... I mean, I appreciate that, but for my purposes, <laughs> it was, basically a glorified coat rack because yeah. I was talking about the banner hanging off of yeah. it. So yeah, yeah, there is some earth being moved around. There is some stuff going on. So for all of you folks that are still naysaying, just know that it is in progress. Now I understand there will always be naysayers until the very first game when the doors finally open and there's actually baseball going on. I get it. 
But for the rest of us who choose to be optimistic, there's progress. And that's what you want to see. What the, what that customer specializes in is demolition of buildings and such. And he owns that equipment and does it everywhere. He actually just finished doing uh, that new parking lot that's uh, right beside McDonald's, right, uh, behind, oh, yeah, yeah. right behind the north end zone. He tore down that church. So, uh, again, I don't need to speculate all that much that he's probably going to tear down those two buildings back there. I don't think they're going to be repurposed for anything. We're just going to use that area for parking and that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, so it'll happen soon, and uh, we are right on track for october which is coming up in three weeks i mean i was gonna say it was a couple of months ago we said it was what 15 months or 18 months or something like that and we've that's been a few months ago so you know the clock is ever ticking if we're gonna meet this deadline so i think you know we're seeing not a lot of bustling right now but pretty soon it's going to be quite apparent that there's something big going on yeah so we're expecting that uh within the next month there will be someone named as the contractor they will start immediately and they will have 15 months per contract to have this open by february march 2024 there you go yeah well that was a great way to start this episode we have a ton to talk about from the weekend of football and then we're going to take it around the herd of course but uh let's take a moment and revisit the weekend okay Uh, i want to talk to you a little bit about well a lot about the football game and just the weekend in general uh without getting in too much detail without taking too too long because i know folks are tuned in to listen to the recap and the preview of the football game that's what they want to know about so we want to get to that fairly shortly but look it was the home opener it was great it was a gorgeous weekend we had a great tailgate going on, lots of friends, lots of new friends we met. Some people came by and said, what's up? Enjoyed some of the great food that Kyle and his crew put together and put out there for everyone to eat. And we debuted Thundercast Live. Yeah. And we were very much kind of sort of shooting from the hip on how it would look, how it would go. And I think it came out pretty well. Um, moving forward, yeah, we're going to make a few tweaks. We, we know what we did and what we could do better. And Uh, We plan on doing those things, but let's talk about the show. Let's talk about how it went real quick, just for a minute or two, and then let's get into this uh, Norfolk State recap. Okay. So, obviously, I loved it. Uh, I thought that it was great. I thought that uh, for two uh, little knuckleheads. uh... (laughs) That's what I say, two knuckleheads (laughs) with microphones. Yeah. I, I thought, you know, it was good because you know what? No one else is doing it. And, uh, and we, uh, we, we, we shot our shot, you know, and, uh, that shot via practice and repetition is only going to get better. But, uh, for, uh, two idiots with, uh, (laughs) with a, with a fanaticism for their school that they went to, I think we did pretty good. And we've heard from some people and they thought so as well. Yeah, I'm pretty proud of what we put out there. Uh, I'm like you, you know, like we're not, we're learning as we go, but we had enough um, courage to do it. And we we planned and planned, but still, once you get right up to it, you don't know what it's going to look like. You don't know if the electronics are going to cooperate with you. You don't know if everything's going to do what you want it to do. 
And without Jed and Josh from Ignite Link over there, like sharing expertise, Jed was just a freaking rock star yeah. uh, producing that show. Man, what a great job. It came out really well. And of course, we were fortunate enough to uh, make this turn Thundercast Live into a real opportunity for our sponsors. Mountain State Farm uh, basically had the opportunity to share what they do. I mean, it was a big glorified commercial for them. And I'm glad because it, it gets their name out there because, you know, Dan and, is a Marshall alum. Uh, he's everything they're doing that farm. Everything's the right way, you know, mm -hmm. like everything's raised the right way, cultivated the right way. Um, the food is phenomenal. The meats, the quality of the meats that he brought to the tailgate for us to use for Kyle and them to use was amazing. The food was so good. So I'm so glad fresh. he got an, I'm so I'm glad he got an opportunity to get his farm's name out there and showcase what they do, get that contact out info out there and all that kind of stuff. And um, now now it is up forever yep. in video in video form and you know, can be in audio only form as well. But the video, you don't even have to go searching for where it's at in the longer production. Ignite Link just said, hey, let's clip it here and put that up as a separate video. So now he can put all his customers over to that postable link that he can share with them and say, here's uh, everything about my farm. And we didn't say this to him, or at least I didn't say this to him at the time. But Dan, if you want to embed that interview onto your website, feel free. Right. Yeah. I mean, that 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 is absolutely 100% okay. Please use that to help, help you grow your business. Cause that's what we want to do. We want to help our sponsors and the people that are helping us grow. We want to help you grow. Uh, but that's a good note. I should mention that too. If you didn't log in and, you know, watch along with us and all that kind of stuff, we'll have the main, you know, hour and whatever long video, but we realize that not everybody's going to sit down and watch that. So we are going to break those segments up and those interviews up as they move forward into smaller videos so that you can consume those how you want to, you won't have to go searching for content. This is all stuff that's that's going to happen anyway. And all four of those are already up. We've got uh, Ignite Link with Jed. That is already posted separately. The interview that you mentioned with Dan is already posted. The little interview with Kyle Walker at the end. Uh, <laughs> what a guy. <laughs> two, two minutes and 20 seconds. And he nailed the dismount when, yeah. you know, when he sent us away, you know, that no matter where you where where you see us, we'll be saying go herd. He nailed it. Stole uh, your and, outro. And then we also have uh, the Hall of Fame interview, uh, Stephanie Cook Lewis. So yeah, all that was a those, lot of fun. All those are posted separately in addition to the show itself. Yeah, it, that was a lot of fun to learn about um, her journey, her her um, career, like mm -hmm. and everything. It was so cool, man. I mean. You know, it, it's we learn new stuff just about every week when we do this show, and to learn that we were standing right next to a what an MU Hall of Famer, which is just cool anyway. Yeah. But to have played the most games and heard softball history, that's a neat little feather to have in your cap. That's one that I like as a former yesteryear, long ago, uh, never was ball player. That's one that I would take pride in, like mm -hmm. always being on the field to yeah. help when I can. That's cool. Uh, but anyway, let's talk about a game, man. We had a freaking game this weekend, and uh, I got to admit, right off the bat, Russ, you were right. I was not nearly as right. You saw a huge blowout. I just didn't think that we would um, be able to score as easily as we did, as often as we did, you know, but we did. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about it. In uh, 
I almost said NC State recap. That's next year. NC State <laughs> next year. Norfolk State recap was a 55 to 3 absolute throttling. And might I add, that was 55 points scored in three quarters. Neither team scored in the fourth quarter. And Marshall was a uh, neutral zone infraction away from having a shutout because they actually blocked Norfolk State's field goal, but they got a second crack at it over a neutral site, neutral zone infraction. So second time up, it went through, yada, yada, yada. But, you know, I mean, if you want to get technical, call it a shutout. If you want to get honest, it's not a shutout. Uh, like I said, now it's uh, the herd is one and zero. Oh. This was the tenth opening weekend victory, a decade of wins. So, you know, for ten straight years, Marshall started the season one and zero. Oh. Um, I love that. I mean, I love that. Who 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 doesn't like starting off in the left hand column? Uh, it was Hall of Fame weekend, which we mentioned, and and doing the uh, preview, we mentioned Vinnie Curry going in. We mentioned Jacqueline Gale going in. But we didn't mention Steve Shulo all, yeah. also going in from a football standpoint. One of the absolute best offensive linemen in herd history, bar none. Stacking and one up of, against anyone. Oh, and he, I'm man, you got you got a you got a sandwich, I'm sure you want to talk about or something. I kept thinking that you were done and pausing. I apologize. <laughs> I, I I try to never do that. I was just going to interject and say, and one of the most banger sandwiches that you'll ever see. <laughs> I knew you were going to work that in there. But uh, great all-around um, weekend. The vibe in Huntington was unmatched. I mean, it was it was as good as I can remember for as long as I can remember. I mean, yeah. the energy was big. Uh, the players were hyped. The crowd was good. Everything was just good, man. The weather was great. I don't know. You know, I know you have a nitpick or two. And, mm -hmm. and, and those have been talked about with who they may have need, need to be talked about with. And it's something that'll get worked on moving forward, but very, very minor things in the grand scheme of the entire weekend, 24,607 majority of which were heard fans watched the game in a reduced capacity at Jones C. Edwards stadium of just over 30,000 now bringing our percent capacity 81% for an opening weekend game against an FCS opponent. Man, if that's the kind of turnout we can expect for an FCS opponent, Katie bar the door when App comes to town, when Coastal comes to town, and when Georgia State comes to town. This could be, you know, the beginnings of that real home field advantage that we used to remember. Russ, you have uh, some, some thoughts on those few little bullet points before I get into stats? Yeah, I do. Uh, as as you know, because I told you, I had the game, the atmosphere, all of that, the fan experience as an A. Yeah, uh, something very small could have put it to an A plus, and I'll talk about that later. I don't want to bring up a bunch of negative things, and because there's not, but um, overall, you're looking at great weather. You're looking at fans that were there. Uh, for an FCS opponent, which, you know, a lot of people are constantly saying, hey, you know, I I just can't imagine going to an FCS. Let me know when they're playing Penn State. You know, fans that maybe aren't as rabid as we are that go to see the herd, as you said, I don't go to see whoever's playing. I go to see the herd. So, but there are some fans that may go for bigger games that don't go for others, you know, 
we still had 24,607. What would that have looked like with the 24,607 had they spread out in the upper end zone and that sort of thing? We would have had people going, I don't know, does it look like 18? Does it look like 20? Yep. When, when they were all over where they used to be until those temporary bleachers were put in, the temporary bleachers that lasted 22 years, it looked great. It, yep. it, it felt great. Now, yep. the, the minor nitpick, and it's up to us fans. I mean, you know, there's some things that uh, they can do from a standpoint behind the scenes. But again, it's up to us fans because we used to not have it. And we did a very good job of it in the early 90s, the mid 90s and the late 90s. Fans, we have got to get on. We are and Marshall and we've got to do it the right way. You know, so I'm, I'm it, all my fans out here. I want you to listen. Let's just start it organically, just like we have in the past. We don't need someone to tell us when we know we are Marshall. We know what side we're on is going to say we are, and we know what one's going to say Marshall. So we just need to get it started on our own. That is the one thing that would put me up to an A plus on the day. Yeah, I would agree. And I would I would offer a prompt, right? The perfect time, and I've t- I told this to you just in private and just talk, the perfect time to have done that first. We are Marshall chant was right after the big Ethan Payne 45 yard touchdown run while the kick team is setting up for the extra point because everybody's excited. You know, there's a little bit of a lull in the game and that's the moment right then when that student section should have busted out the massive, we are. Yeah. Then if you don't know, I mean, we have first year freshmen all every year, you know, first time, first year people got to learn this every year. You don't do both halves of the cheer. One half of the stadium does one half. The home side does the Marshall side. So the visiting side, student section, all that side does we are. Home side does the Marshall side. But it takes a lot of people to, in unison, rip off that first we are so that it's loud enough that people want to start doing it. And uh, that would have been the perfect time. So I would say anytime there's a huge play, a big touchdown run, in the little lull of the game where we're setting up for the extra point, perfect time to do that. But you're right. Other than that, which is something we can work on, we can figure it out. Um, it was a top-notch game. So, look, let's talk. Let's get into these indicators and move this episode along. We're going to be going forever if we don't get into this. Four big indicators that I like to talk about in every game to give you a kind of synopsis of how that game went in a nutshell. We'll talk about total yardage, time of possession, first downs, and turnovers. By and large, those four things really tell you kind of how a game went. There are anomalies from time to time, but most of the time, this will give you a good idea how it went. Total yardage. Marshall, 612 total yards to Norfolk State's 114. Ouch. Yeah. Time of possession, 36 minutes, 9 seconds for the herd, 23 minutes and 51 seconds. Over 12 minutes of disparity there in favor of the herd. First downs equally as ugly, 33 first downs for the herd, 5 for Norfolk State, Five uh, turnovers is where it kind of throws you off. It's one to one. Uh, we got that early pick on that beautiful Micah Abraham break. And then, uh, you know, Henry Columbia was, of course, intercepted in the end zone on a tip ball. There was a, well, well, I guess so. There was a fumble, but we didn't force it. So ESPN says one. I don't know what's up with that. Yeah, it's still a turnover. So yeah, we it had, is a turnover. We, we, we had two because it was scooping the score. It was a, it was a fumble recovery for a thing. Yeah, that's and, weird. So it should yeah. be two to one. Get yeah. your game straight, ESPN. Uh, we found other anomalies in the statistics in this game as well. 
you know, where a certain player was credited for a run over another player who actually made the play. So, you know, the worldwide leader, come on, man, we were banking on you. I mean, mm-hmm. ga- gas station TV would never. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Because so they wouldn't have the stats to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> so let's call it two to one in favor of the herd. Uh, Henry Columbia, what an efficient day. I mean, what an efficient day. 24 out of 26, 205 yards. One touchdown, one interception, six carries for 11 yards to the good. Uh, He was a tip ball and a drop touchdown pass away from having a gaudy stat line. 26 to 26 for over 250 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. If that is what the stat line reads, then you're like, dang, um, what a a baller we got there. But instead, some folks are like, well, it was okay. It was ho-hum. No, it was really good. He was was very good. He had an excellent debut. Uh, Ethan Payne, 10 carries, 113 yards, two touchdowns on the ground, including a big 45-yard touchdown, averaged 11.3 yards per carry, and scored the first touchdown in 2022. I talked going into the game about the opportunity for for Ethan Payne to get some carries because Ali is out, and we see what happens. Uh, They Mm -hmm. make the most of those opportunities. Now you know, now your coaches know even more so, hey, I can do this on game day too. And another good thing, uh, you know, I went back and rewatched this game and uh, still a little bit fresh in my mind, but uh, Columbia had the ball come out of his hand one mm-hmm. time and Ethan Payne was the guy that was right there that uh, jumped on that ball and saved a, a turnover for us and kept the drive going and we score on that yeah. drive. So it's the little things like that, that Ethan Payne, that you can count on him to do with blocking, with, you know, every, every single thing. He's just a hard worker. Um, and now am I saying he's going to pick up every fumble? Of course not, but he was right there. He had the awareness to look around, get it and, uh, save us. Yeah. That was a real Johnny on the spot moment as well. And it doesn't show up in the stat sheet, you mm-hmm. know, but it changes the trajectory could potentially change the trajectory of a game, not necessarily mm-hmm. this game, but right. a game. Uh, that was really the only rough patch for Henry in the whole game. He had that mm-hmm. interception. And then shortly thereafter, he had the ball knocked out. Other than that, other than that little time frame, I thought he was phenomenal. I love the elusiveness. I love, you know, the ability to keep a play going and find a guy. Um, but, you know, we'll get into that a little bit more later on. Kalen LeBourne, 12 carries, 102 yards, two touchdowns as well. Good for 8.5 yards to carry. Her, the herd has two running backs go over 100 yards and combine for four touchdowns on the ground. I bet you that hasn't happened in several years. Uh, I can remember, gosh, I don't know. I don't know what game it was, but I want to say it was like Keon Davis and and uh, Tyler King might have went over a hundred in the same game. So that but was probably a, not four touchdowns in the same. Yeah, same probably game. not. Uh, Talit Keaton's your leading receiver from a yardage standpoint and reception standpoint. Eight catches for seventy-one yards on the day. Toby Payne, freshman, tight end, brother of Ethan Payne, uh, two catches for twenty-seven yards and a touchdown. And then Corey Gamage, two catches, twenty yards and a touchdown. Account for your touchdowns through the air i would just like to say that russ um the house of pain was in effect (laughs) y'all the house of pain was in effect so and uh, anyone stepping up will get what anyone stepping up is getting wrecked that's That's what i'm saying yeah Uh, so all in all the herd like i said accounts for 611 total yards 380 yards on the ground 380 yards on the ground. The the uh, herd had five ball carriers account for at least 6.4 yards per carry, and 10 different guys caught a pass. The uh, big shine has to go to the offensive line. They absolutely owned the line of scrimmage all day long. 
you don't rush for 380 yards on the day without having a stellar level of offensive line play. They did a great job of keeping Columbia and the rest of the other five quarterbacks that played uh, upright and clean, uh, allowing for plays to develop, allowing for guys to run those routes. Uh, you can't say enough good things about the offensive line. What was mm-hmm. a little bit of a concern way, way, way back when mm-hmm. turned into less of a concern in the summer. And now, yes, you've got to curb that enthusiasm a little bit based on the quality of opponent, but they dominated in a game they were supposed to dominate. So, yeah, and what what I liked too was there was not an abundance of, uh, you know, there was only a couple that I can remember of maybe uh, holding or, uh, offsides, that sort of thing, you know, from the offensive line and uh, something that I might expect from a new unit, you know, to try to jail that you might have a couple of those. And it, it they just flat out pushed that team around on the defensive front. They just yeah. did. So let me speak to that. The ESPN list I heard is having three penalties on the day. We know one was a holding call by Devin Miller. So that's a tight end. Mm-hmm. And then one was a neutral zone infraction on a field goal. So that leaves one penalty that could have accounted to the offensive line. And um, any time you can have that, just one potential penalty that could be accounted to the offensive line, that's amazing. I, I mean, saw I saw one hold, and that was it when I rewatched it. And they had one holding penalty. And I'm not going to get into whether it was questionable or not, because if you're questioning if one singular right. holding <laughs> penalty, I mean, you know, it's splitting some hairs. But – Great, great, great out. And if you saw, I think that they uh, graded them out at 89.3% or something like that. Yeah. Uh, very, very dominating performance. This was a good one. This was a good uh, chemistry builder. This is a good communication builder. We're starting to see that these guys can now play five men, one mind, and that's what we're going to have to have moving forward in not only against Notre Dame, but as we get into the Sunbelt Conference uh, schedule. So this was good. This is what we needed, right? We talked about this game in a lot of facets being a dress rehearsal or a warm-up, and it wasn't so much about um, the yards and points as it was some of these units to be able to cohe- be, be a more cohesive unit at the end of the game, and I think we saw that particularly with uh, the offensive line. Last stat I want to say offensively is Hurd goes 7 of 12 on third down. It's easy to win when you're controlling third down like that. Defensively for the herd, Charlie Gray is your main guy from a tackle standpoint. Eight tackles. All of those are assisted tackles, by the way. Kobe Cumberlander potentially having the best overall day. Seven tackles, two of those solo, one sack, and two tackles for loss. Welcome home. Man, welcome to the 2022 season. Kobe Cumberlander coming out like gangbusters. What a beautiful sack he had on uh, on that quarterback. I don't know which one of their three that they played it was, but man. Bearing down on the dude like laser, like a laser beam. The poor guy had no chance. Abraham Bow playing four tackles, one solo, one tackle for loss, and a quarterback hurry. Let's talk about impact plays because that's what everybody wants to know about. Tackles are great, uh, but everybody wants to know about those impact plays. We talked about who had a couple of sacks, impact plays. Micah Abraham, beautiful interception right at the beginning of the game, right after the herd goes down or has to punt, and they go right down and get the interception uh the herd doesn't punt again for the rest of the day by the way and then owen porter you mentioned it the 21 yard scoop and score on a beautiful beautiful scoop i mean it was meant to be there was no fumbling around with that ball it's just kind of like one of those that stuck to the hand and he just picked it up and took off the other way all in all this herd defense only allows 114 total yards 
30 different guys recorded a tackle for the herd in this game. 30 different players. Uh, Norfolk State averaged less than one yard per carry rushing with just 30 yards on 31 carries, and the defense held those guys to one of 12 on third down. In a word, smothering. The defense was absolutely smothering. Uh, special teams, Reese Verhoff, brand, Verhoff, brand new kicker, two of two on field goals, along of 37 of seven on extra points. And John McConnell, like I said, just one punt, 44 yards, but it did land inside the 20. Russ, uh, I don't know if – I don't think I told you we were going to do this, but I did this in my former show, and since you're the, the guy that uh, is hearing me talk, you get to do the grades. So I'm going to ask you some uh, – various categories and you can give me a grade and uh, a b c d f whatever and then i got something new for you to uh, have a little fun with after we do the grade so in giving me your synopsis of all of what i just talked about you can give me your grade and then talk about why you feel that way so let's start yep. off with the offense what is your grade for the herd offense against norfolk state a minus and you're going to say what they had 612 uh yards they scored 55 points they knelt down when they could have kicked a field goal or easily maybe thrown it or walked it in russ what are you smoking i say to you it was against norfolk state and an a minus is still very very good you know as a grade uh there were some things and i can talk individually about these that we could have done better and that we will need to do better against Notre Dame and in our conference schedule. So I'll get into those a little bit later. Let's go ahead with uh, defense or whatever you have, unless you've got some questions for me on on that grade. No, the only thing is I'll say A minus is fair because if you're going to, if you, regardless of who the uh, opponent is, if you throw an interception in the end zone, you can't get an A plus. It's, it, it just can't happen, right? Mm -hmm. Because those are killers and it just didn't happen to be a killer in this game. So that's a totally fair grade. This is the only substat or the subcategory that I'm going to get a grade from you on. And that is quarterback play. That's the only thing we'll do all season long. Everything else will be by unit or by side of the ball type stuff. So what's your grade for the overall quarterback play? Again, A minus, and here's why. Uh, 24 of 26, game manager, uh, accurate, put that ball right on the money that was dropped by Shadid Ahmed. Uh, you know, he laid it out right there for him. It it hit in Ahmed's hands. He caught it. Ground calls the fumble when he hits the, the lands in the end zone. So, again, you're talking about could have been 26 for 26 in a game of inches 26 for 26 260 yards maybe three touchdowns no interceptions i would have given him the a plus let's talk about a little bit of stuff in re-watching this game it kind of validated what i was thinking live but you have the benefit of watching a second time uh, on a tv screen let's rewind and watch some routes and who was open and that sort of thing I saw a lot more short to mid passes when some of our other guys were open long. Now, there is a good explanation for that that I have seen online and that Coach Huff and some of his pressers had mentioned that he was harping on Columbia to go with his first read, go with his first read, go with his first read. And when you're going through your progressions and you can't even – throw if the first guy's open and it doesn't matter if the third guy's open longer you know coach is telling you to do that 
then that's what you're doing. You're doing your job. So I, I'm not faulting him for it. But if we have a guy wide open streaking down the sideline, we're going to have to hit him at Notre Dame. You know, uh, also to the elusiveness that you mentioned, a couple of those, there were some people open, but he had to dance around a little bit and buy some more room. Sometimes he took off. Those were still smart decisions because he still either got a first down, got eight yards, that sort of thing. I can't fault him for it. But again, if we have an opportunity to throw to some of these other people that are down the field without taking the risk of running, then he would have gotten an A+. plus. We're going to have to have that at Notre Dame. The tip ball, uh, it was a good play by the defensive lineman, but he could have gotten rid of it slightly more or arched it over their head slightly more and got it. So, again, just cannot give an A or an A-plus. Still amazing, amazing. If we have that kind of play from him all year, we're going to have a great team, and uh, he will be the quarterback that we need. But against the Notre Dame, we're going to need him to hit those longer plays for those people that are wide open. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, you can't fault the guy for doing what the coach says. Coach, Not says, at all. Coach says take what the defense is allowing you to take. Yeah, yeah. And if your first read is giving you eight yards, take the yeah. eight yards. Because last, time. Time, last time I checked, it's always going to be a first down with two eight-yard gains. And here's also, it's not just that he's doing what the coach says, but – I don't have hindsight. I can't say that he throws it long and it doesn't go out of bounds or, you know, he misses the wide open guy. And then we, we miss out on that 12 yard pass that he got for an attempt at a 27 yard pass. Right. Uh, so what he did was daggone near perfect on the, on the day, but we're going to need more than that. Not more than perfect, but more than the short game against Notre Dame and in our conference schedule. Yeah. We'll talk about that when we do the Notre Dame preview here yeah. in a little bit, some of the glaring differences in the two defenses we're about to, about to face, but still a uh, great overall effort. And not to mention we played six quarterbacks. So this yeah. is an overall grade. I mean, it's, you know, when the final four guys or final three guys really just handed the ball off, but we played six quarterbacks. That has never happened as long as I've watched a Marshall game ever, especially without injury. So in keeping with that, I only talked for that grade about Columbia, but when Cam Fancher came in, I had been talking on this show about him being a left-hander and all that, but he was just a totally different style of quarterback as well. So uh, he did a lot more of the read option and taking off and running. From my calculations, based on the misattributed run that they gave to Jacoby Henderson on there, I had him at three rushes for 60 yards, 20 yards of carry. Yeah, that's what I came up with as well. Yeah. So, good. I mean, overall, great day by all the herd QBs. Yeah. Um, how about a defensive grade? Defensive grade, got to go A+. Plus. Uh, I don't see much of anything – that they did bad at all. I mean, when you're talking about five first downs, I mean, this is not a game of NCAA football on Xbox, the PlayStation. You're not going to shut somebody out from getting a first down. You know, they, I don't care if they were pay, playing a junior high team. They, they gave up five first downs and some of those were late in the game when who cares, you know, yeah. They uh, they dominated from start to finish. They got two turnovers. They got a defensive touchdown. Uh, someone said they didn't on on the uh, post game spaces that we did. Someone said you know I expected them to have more sacks, and I think ESPN attributed to two total sacks. Mm -hmm. They had 
was it 14 pass plays? Four, they went six of 14 if uh, if memory serves. Yeah. So they had 14 pass plays and we got two sacks. They dropped, <laughs> they, they dropped back 16 times and we sacked them twice. Yeah. So once every eight time they tried to throw, we sacked them, you yeah. know, and we might have not have even been sending anybody for some of those because why, why do it? You know, uh, I think we showed them great mercy by kneeling down and we probably showed them great mercy by not sending the house several times when we could have. Yeah. I mean, and not to mention, look how far down the depth chart we went to, uh, you know, get to that, that. You don't have 30 guys record a tackle if you're not playing a ton of guys. So yeah. it, it five first downs accounting for all those guys that play defense. That's simply amazing. Anything but an A-plus grade for the defense really would have been criminal. And I we're don't look- care if they did score. What were we looking at? Was it 34 and 80 or 32 and 82 was the split for passing and running uh, that they had? Do you have that up? Uh, how how many yards passing did they have against oh, us? Uh, it's it's in the know. 30s. It's in the 30s. Well, they only had 30 rushing yards, so do the math. Okay. You know, well, then I, yards. I, I had those inverse then. So yeah. they had 32 rushing yards. So let's talk about that as well. We talked about that their starting quarterback, whoever it might be, and they didn't name him until the, uh, right before the game, and then they had three come in. None of them were effective. We took them out. I don't care about 84 yards is not very good, no matter who you're playing. Uh, they We had talked about J.J. Davis. He's the preseason player of the year in the MEAC. He transferred from Cincinnati. We talked about, you know, if there's anybody to watch, folks watch him. He did nothing, nothing. against this defense. Nothing. He nearly did less than nothing. He barely got yards. It's a dominating, smothering defense. A plus grade for me. Yep. A plus grade. The big, I mean, they had a one big pass play right out of the gate. You yeah. Know, and, and that was basically all of their yardage. I mean, yeah. it was like 25 or 30 yards. So take that into account. One play accounts for 25 or 30 yards of the 80 yards you had on the day. And they had, I'll have it here exactly, but they had in four pass plays, they racked up. Oh, it would have done that now. One went for uh, 39. One went for 28. I mean, we had one went to another guy. They had about all but 12 or 14 of their passing yards came on four plays. Yeah. See, it was like a chunk play here and there. Yeah. You know, a little move. It's irrelevant. This this is irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah, We don't want to see that this coming weekend, obviously. Right. It is what it is. So let's move along. Let's speed up a little bit here. This is going a little long. How about a special teams grade? Verhoff perfect on field goals and extra points. McConnell has one punt on the day, 44 yards, and lands inside the 20. Really no waves made in the return game in either way. What's your grade? A would have been an A-plus without Verhoff uh, having the two out-of-bounds penalties, uh, which we talked about on the spaces. We also cannot have that in conference play, but hopefully that's an easy shore up. Yeah, fair fair grade. All right, coaching grade on the day. Everyone, the entire staff, what's the grade? A plus. We got in almost every person on the roster uh, got to play. <laughs> Pretty much. Right? Uh, you know, we had 87 players take at least one snap. Uh, we knelt down and showed mercy when we could have just embarrassed this other team. 
so we both lit up the scoreboard, shut the other team out, and then on top of those two things, we showed mercy and sportsmanship. So for me, that's an A-plus all the way around. All right, this is a grade that I've never done before, but this is one I'm going to incorporate into this show because sometimes it might not be as good as others. How about a grade for the fans? I'm going to say B+. plus. Uh, if I can say student section, A+, plus in the first half. I know after 38 to nothing, they didn't come back. <laughs> but, again, you made a great point on Twitter when you I'm going to say it again in a minute so <laughs> yeah so I'll let you I'll wait and let you say that but uh then the no we are Marshall and you know I I had I was in the chairbacks and a lot of the chairbacks people didn't come back in the second half yeah so um I I would say B plus if people come back in the second half even though we're stomping someone and uh we had more we are Marshall would have been an A plus yeah, I would say that too. I mean, I cannot fault the students for not coming back in the second half. It was 38 to nothing at halftime. There was zero chance that team was going to make a game of it. And let's face it, man, when you're in college, game day is also about the after party. You know, it's it's a big celebration of the week. So, hey, you're like, all right, well, we won the game. It's time to go start my evening, right? So I don't fault them for that. How many times, I'm, I said it then, I'm going to say it now, how many times when we were students did we go back to the second half of a game in a blowout? Never. Hardly ever. You know, maybe if there was like a, a record on the cusp of being broken or something like that, we wanted to see it. But I can't fault them for that. And you you made the the qualifier to that by saying, well, a lot of people in the chairbacks didn't come back either. So they That's got right. nobody has any room to gripe. Um, it, I would love to see a packed Jonesy Edwards Stadium from opening whistle to closing whistle, but the fact of the matter is, in a blowout, you just can't get mad when that doesn't happen. No, so let's say that we were beating Purdue because we, we've been talking about that game because of the anniversary of it. Let's say we were beating them 38 to nothing. Yeah. How many people do you think go out at halftime and tailgate and don't come back in uh, for that? Even though it's Purdue, yeah. even though it's that atmosphere we've been talking about, we would have not had whistle to whistle in that game. Of course. I mean, there would have been, well, I mean, even what the score was to that game, I'm sure there were fans that didn't come back in, in the second half. It's just the the nature of the beast. Some folks are like, oh, I'm content to see a half of football. Now I want to tailgate, but yeah. you know, I'm the other way. I want to see as much of the game as I can, um, <clears throat> but it is what it is. Okay. Here's quick hitters, real quick hitters. This is all MVPs. Your MVPs of the week, your offensive MVP of the week. I'm going to have to go Toby Payne. Uh, I think that uh, it came down to him, Columbia, and Ethan. the off. I meant, I meant Ethan. I'm sorry. Yes. Toby, you did great, but not up to where big brother Ethan did. <laughs> Ethan, Ethan Payne, it came down to him, Columbia, and the offensive line as a unit. Um, just because I feel like he opened him up uh, with the first touchdown, Ethan Payne. Yep, he ignited the crowd with the big long run. That's what really got the herd fan base energized. Uh, he is my offensive MVP of the week as well, with a very, very close second being the entire offensive line. Yeah. Defensive MVP of the week. The unit itself, that's a cop-out, but I just cannot, especially, I mean, Kobe, Kobe Cumberlander is probably up there. Um Owen Porter is probably up there, but I just, I'm going to cop out and say the entire defensive unit, even the subs 
we gave up 114 total yards. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's fair. My uh, individual MVP is uh, Kobe Cumberlander. He had the best all around day. Yeah. He is like one impact play. You know, he had a sack, but I mean, an, a, a turnover forcing play away from having a monumental game one, but he is my individual week one MVP. Special teams MVP. Burhoff. Yeah. Perfect job doing what you're supposed to do. We'll talk about that very, very much every week about a special teams player. It's like you, you are successful by just doing what you're supposed to do. You don't have to do anything overly flashy. You don't have to nail the long kick, uh, you know, the long field goal, anything like just do what you're supposed to do. And yeah. by and large, that's what folks want to see. How about an other, you know, like non-team MVP and operation staff, just somebody that stuck out to you that was like, you know what, they're going unnoticed. I want to give them a little shine. Yeah, so we talked briefly about Cam Fancher. Uh, can't talk enough about what he brings to the table. I think that that is a game changer to bring in with his speed and elusiveness, and he's good at throwing as well. But I also want to highlight someone that we've not talked about a lot except for one little detail is Devin Miller. He caught four balls and only uh, or almost 10 per catch. So uh, he was that safety valve. He was uh, not just getting thrown to at the line of scrimmage. He he had a very good game. I think he only caught 10 balls all of last year, and he had four in this game, and basically it was the first half. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to highlight some folks, and I'm not going to call them by name because I didn't you know, ask if I could do that, but all the folks behind the scenes that put on a great production for this first week one game in the new era – uh, we learned that it was a lot of firsts for a lot of those folks over the weekend in discussions. And I just wanted to let you know that uh, we, me in, in particular, was impressed with the overall game day production, the overall game day experience. It was great. So we could, you know, just highlight and say Christian Spears and his staff. But we know that there are certain people who had um, big responsibilities. And um, you know who you are. We know who you are. And we just wanted to let you know that uh, we appreciate all the hard work that you did and that the game to us looked great. great. Uh, so, there, there, you know, we, we've said there's always room for improvement. And we know that. And we've voiced that. And you guys know that and all that kind of stuff. But for your first go around in a new uh, conference with a lot of excitement and a lot of changes around, I think it went great. So congratulations to that behind-the-scenes staff, that athletic support staff uh, in the athletic department that uh, – really knocked this one out of the park. I mean, they knocked it out of the park. So congratulations yeah. to you guys. Russ, any final words on this game before we transition and talk about Notre Dame? Only thing that I have is I said 56-14. We beat them 55-3. And I also, at the, when I was pressed at the end of Thundercast Live to come up with somebody we didn't talk about, I mentioned Owen Porter and said he might knock the ball loose for a scoop and score. I came really close on that too. So I, I, I won. That's you all did I win. <laughs> you did win. My final words are 87 players. Are you kidding me? 87 different players played the game for the herd. I mean, that's got to be some kind of record. Uh, Coach Huff mentioned it in his uh, post-game press conference or whatever that uh, they went back and did some digging to try to see when the last time that may have happened or when they may have gotten a number close to that. And they believe that it was probably in the young thundering herd era, which is a totally different dynamic and why they would have had to have played so many players versus why it happened this past weekend. I mean, that's just an ec ecstatically high 
like not ecstatically, an, an excitingly high number. And you're like, man, 87 guys got real game speed rep. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned we played six quarterbacks, everyone on the roster. I've never seen that happen before, but I'm going to spotlight a trio of guys real quick before we move into this. Actually, three guys by name and then a group of guys. Um, AJ Turner, hello. Can we take it to the second floor, please? Because that was a beautiful play, leaping the uh, defender on on the run. That that'll get you on the radar for a lot of herd fans. Cam Fancher, you mentioned, came in and absolutely dazzled with the legs. I'm going to say a name that was was said to us, and then in looking back at some of the highlights, I was like, yeah, that's eerily similar. Might be a name that herd fans don't want to hear, um, but he looked a lot like Pat White. I mean, he looked a lot like Pat White in game speed right there. Three yard, three rushes for 60 yards and then went one of one, 12 yards uh, with a touchdown pass. He actually had that uh, other – it was attributed to Zamora, but in re-watching, he had the other pass to Toby Payne, the best that I could okay. remember. So he had two for 27. Man, and, and a touchdown. Yeah. So what a great day for him, too, to kind of show, hey, I can do this. I don't know what you guys are talking about. You know, you, you all don't know much about old Cam Fancher if you're – he he quiet probably quieted some uh, some worries a little bit with that performance and then uh, a running back that I was excited about when we did running back breakdowns one of the freshmen another one of the freshmen AJ Turner is also a freshman uh, Maurice Jones comes in eight carries for fifty one yards I mean geez you know there are there are games in in seasons past when we would have looked at a guy that was number two or number three and we're like fifty yards that's a, that's an excellent contribution yeah and to do that in some uh, you know when they're putting guys in they're giving guys reps and he made the most of it the last group within the group that i'm going to talk about are how about our west virginia high school football players that are playing for the herd did they not have themselves a game they owen did. porter the scoop and score ethan Payne, the big long uh touchdown two touchdowns on the ground leading rusher for the herd toby Payne gets in as a true freshman couple of a couple of catches and a touchdown I mean, Logan, Logan Osborne Osborne. did a great job at center coming out of Cabell Midland High School. A lot of guys played meaningful snaps for the herd and produced at a high level. So congratulations to all those West Virginia High School alums playing for the herd. Come here, boys. You can win here. You know, it don't always have to go up the road. You can come here and win here. So congratulations to those guys. Russ, uh, let's go talk about what looms, shall we? <laughs> this is... Uh, this is a, a tall test, to say the least. It is. Marshall travels to South Bend, Indiana, to face the Notre Dame Fighting Irish this weekend. Kickoff is set for Saturday, September 10th at 2.30 Eastern time. You can catch the game on e, not ESPN, NBC or Peacock, if you have Peacock, if you're not going to the game. I will be catching the game on NBC and or Peacock. Uh, South Bend, Indiana weather is supposed to be 78 and sunny. So no excuses here. You're going to have to play your best game against Notre Dame, who is undoubtedly hungry for a win after a hard-fought loss against Ohio State in Columbus. This is the first ever matchup between the Herd and Notre Dame. And like I mentioned, Notre Dame is now 0-1 on the season with a 21-10 loss to then number 2 Ohio State in Columbus. After the loss, Notre Dame does not tumble in the polls. They only drop three spots to number eight. So this is an excellent opportunity for Marshall to shock the freaking world and go get a top 10 victory against a premier college football program, an all-time program, and one that would undoubtedly 
quiet those talks about beating Kansas State some two decades ago. This one would probably shoot to the top of the marquee victory list for Marshall all time. Russ, you're going to the game. Um, so I know there's a lot going into it as far as that goes, but when you think about Marshall and Notre Dame, what does this game feel like to you as we move forward into the weekend? Well, they're one of those, uh, whether you think they deserve it or not, they're one of those premier teams, um, you know, up until modern college football with the BCS and all that and the rise of Alabama and, you know, some of these programs, Notre Dame for the longest time was that storied program. You know, they were the Yankees of college football. They were the the ones that won a lot back then and, you know, had the big storied fandom and all that. Um, it's going to be crazy to go there and cheer for the team that I went to school for, you know, in that stadium. So it's uh, it's going to be impressive. And for them to be ranked eighth is just the cherry on the top. Uh, had they beaten Notre Dame and was like, third, second, first, who knows? It would have been obviously even more insane. But uh, it's just one of those games, man. I don't care about going up against Kansas State and them being ranked sixth uh, in twenty or 2003 or whatever. But you go up there and you beat them. We are on the map. Yeah. We have – we have uh, recruits that are watching that game and are like, okay, I'm going to Marshall. You know, mm -hmm. we we have all kinds of different opportunities. Um, I feel like we would be possibly ranked 21 through 25, somewhere down through there. So everything is on the line for us to gain. I don't feel like there's much to lose when you're playing against Notre Dame, who is ranked number eight, and it's that early in the season. You know, it won't affect our conference. It won't affect anything if we lose. Uh, maybe it knocks us out of the opportunity for a New Year's Six Bowl. Uh, but I don't know, man. It's just, to me, prestige. I mean, what can you say about that program? And we have a chance to go in there and knock them off. And no matter how likely anybody thinks it is, there is always a puncher's chance in college football. That's right. Until the whistle says zero, there's always a chance to win the game. I mean, to me, this is the opportunity that you want as a Marshall mm -hmm. player, coach, fan. Uh, this is your opportunity to put that signature win on a program that has gone two decades without a signature win. Uh, and you're right. There's really no loss that you can take, you know, even if you lose this game, the only thing that can affect you is if you get a bunch of guys injured and you don't come out healthy at all, you know, then you start to worry about what your Sunbelt conference is going to look like, but they go in and win. They got everything to gain. They go in and lose 99% of the college football world thinks that they're going to lose this game. And that's fine. Uh, this is very much like the game. We just got finished recapping. Uh, you know, where we will most likely be outmatched at most, if not all positions. And it's going to take a really good effort to, you know, make it competitive. And you're probably going to have to catch a break or two in order to sneak out of South Bend with a win. 
Now, I'm not saying that the talent disparity between Notre Dame and Marshall is as equal as it is between Marshall and Norfolk State, but we're going in as the extreme underdog this week. That's the point I'm making. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Coach Huff alluded to it and, and made a really good point in his uh, press conferences like w- with the transfer portal. It's not as much of a disadvantage as it used to be when these games were played because now you know you can look up and down our roster and see – you know, we've got guys that have come from all over, not just the guys we've recruited, but we hit the portal and got guys that came from big, quote unquote, big time programs, right? Like, you know, the Florida States of the world and and stuff like that. And they've been in big games, but uh, quarterback one has played Texas, has played Oklahoma. He's not going to get rattled. You know, he's not going to get rattled. 80,000 screaming fans is not going to shake him, right? So – that's the that's the real advantage of having experience at QB1 right now. Um, this is a monumental task. ESPN does not like the herd. Only an 11.2% chance to win on the road. Uh, still about as high as I thought it was going to be. I thought I might even see one of those single-digit you know, percentages. Uh, the herd currently, as we record, is plus 20.5 points with the over-under being 51 points. I would love nothing more than to go in and shock the world. But uh, if we have to go in and play and and it doesn't go right, I just would like to be uh, – to like to see a respectable game. you know. And, and respectable to me means not getting blown out by more than you know 24 points. Anything, anything more than that is, is just a – just a butt whooping. And um, if we can make it competitive, if we can put on a quality showing, if we can do some good things against a really tough team, nobody we're going to face the remainder of the season is going to be as tough as Notre Dame. Nobody. So if we can string together drives, if we can put points on the board, if we can you know, stay healthy and do the right things and play consistently and do just put out a quality effort, that's what I want to see. That'll prove to me that we can run through the Sun Belt. Maybe not win them all, but we can compete with every team remaining on the schedule. Let's talk about some players for Notre Dame to look out for. Uh, You'll have to take these stats with a grain of salt because they just got done playing Ohio State in Columbus. How many teams are vastly successful against Ohio State in Columbus? Not many. Uh, So, number 12, quarterback Tyler Buckner, 6'1", 215-pound sophomore, 10 of 18 last week for 177 yards, uh, but he was sacked three times. No touchdowns, no interceptions. Also carried the ball another 11 times for 18 yards. I'm going to get into some of these weird pass completions here in a minute. Uh, 25, Number 25 running back Chris Tyree, 5'9", 197-pound junior, six carries last week for 28 yards. Coach Huff mentioned that he tried to recruit him to three different schools during his you know, moves from various colleges. And that uh, nice, you know, little little trivia question is that Marshall was his very first scholarship offer way back when. A uh, couple of wide receivers, actually one wide receiver and a tight end we have to talk about. Number four, wide receiver Lorenzo Styles, six foot one, 195-pound sophomore, one catch last week for 54 yards. 177 total yards passing. One of them went for 54 yards. And then number 87, tight end, Michael Mayer, six foot four, two hundred and sixty-five pound junior. He had five of those ten receptions last week for a total of thirty-two yards. 
uh, last week of those 10 receptions for Mr. Buckner, the he had five, of course, to the tight end. And then the other five completions went to five different guys, and they went for, ready for this, one for 54, one for 32, one for 32, one for 31, and one for six. That is not what we saw Marshall do last week. We saw a lot of short passes and try to make a guy miss and pick uh, yards after the catch. Uh, even though, you know, Notre Dame was roughly 50% passing, 60% passing, every reception that didn't go to a tight end was a chunk play, a big chunk play. And that's worrisome to me. Even if it's a limited, you know, amount of completions, 54, 32, 32, 31, yowza, that, 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 that doesn't sit too well with me. Uh, no touchdown, or I'm sorry, no turnovers in week one for the Irish, and they only went three of 13 on third down. Now, I know, again, we have to curb our enthusiasm because Ohio State is a entirely different animal, usually on offense and defense, and the home field advantage in the horseshoe is, well, not one that Marshall's going to have this week. You know, they, they will be very much behind the eight ball in the home field advantage department. Uh, defensively for the Irish, we'll talk about a trio of guys. Number six, cornerback Clarence Lewis, a five foot 11, 203 pound junior, seven tackles last week, six of those solo and a pass defended. Number 24, linebacker Jack Kaiser, six foot one, 233 pound junior, six tackles and four of those solo. And then defensive lineman, number seven, Isaiah Foskey, six foot five, 265. Woo, also a junior, four tackles, two of those solo. Now, he was down the down the um, you know the production chart a little bit as far as the tackles go, but I had to find a defensive lineman because you know it's going to play a huge role in the game. And when you look and find Mr. Foskey and you see 6'5", 265, we like to say that our guys are violent and disruptive. I bet you this dude is equally violent and disruptive and will play a tall task for whoever is lined up across him on the herd offensive line. Impact plays for the Irish, there weren't many. Uh, they had one sack as a team last week, zero interceptions, zero forced fumbles, and zero fumble recoveries against the Buckeyes. So, you know, you, you, we don't really know that much about Notre Dame based on them playing Ohio State, you know, because we don't really know how good or uh, Ohio State will ultimately be. If, if history's on our side, they're going to be really, really good. So we don't expect good teams to do well against the Buckeyes and put up similar numbers that they're going to put up against teams like Marshall. Uh, so, But there's some names and numbers to keep an eye on, Russ. Here's the million-dollar question, you know, the, the two- or three-bullet-point question. What the heck does the herd have to do to go into South Bend, Indiana, face the University of Notre Dame, and come out of there with a win? Near perfect play. Um, we have got to win the, and not just win, but convincingly win the turnover battle. So we need to have maybe four turnovers that we take from them uh, to give us a chance. And we cannot have any major, major penalties that, um, I mean, how many times have we seen it? We're playing a big opponent and for whatever reason, refs get really, really picky about how we defend the pass, you know, and it stalls drives, it it reverses, uh, you know, incompletions in the end zone, that sort of thing. 
So we're going to have to play nearly perfect in offense, defense, and special teams. We're going to have to get several um, interceptions and fumble recoveries or whatever without giving up too many of our own, and we are going to really have to limit our penalties, especially the pass interference. Does that sound like a tall task? Yes. It also sounds like what you have to do against every major, major program when you are a mid-major like we are. So, well, you know, put- you know how I like to do these keys to victory, right? I don't just put down, you know, win the turnover battle. I, yeah. I, I have to, I say, I see things in my head and then I, you know, I, I write it like number one, my number one key to victory is that Marshall's going to have to be consistently good. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I don't know if that makes sense to folks. So let me try to qualify that. Um, we're going to have to, be able to move the ball. We're going to have to be able to consistently move the ball. You know, our defense can't live on the field. You just can't set them up to have to play a 40 minute, you know, 40 minutes of the game on defense. That's just not a recipe for success. Um, so before I move on, I got to ask you, did you, did you give me all of your keys to victory there in that one spot. Okay. Um, So my number one key to victory, like I said, is to be consistently good and take that for what you think it means. Uh, I think it means sustaining drives. I think it means, you know, controlling a little bit of the clock, giving the defense an opportunity to rest and, and, um, you know, stay fresh. I think we're going to have to, uh, like you said, I, I echo what you say and limit the, the big penalties and, and not, turn the ball over and all that kind of stuff. But that's like football 101 to me. That kind of has to happen. We're talking about Notre Dame, right? This is a little bit different of an animal. Everything's got to be, you know, taken to the next degree. And and you don't have to play tighter and 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 uh, more reserved. You, you have to play, like, confidently, uh, which leads into my number two key to victory, which is, you have to stay in the moment, and you have to play with confidence. You have to play to win. Do I have to cue up Herm Edwards? Do I have to get Herm Edwards in here and do the – you play to win the game, right? You, we can't – our guys can't go in and as awe-inspiring as it is going to be to walk out of that tunnel and see 80,000 people and go, dang, man, I'm inside Notre Dame Stadium. Like, this is a once-in-a-lifetime deal. I get it. I get it. I get that. So that has to be a quick take-it-all-in moment and then refocus and back to the – I'm here to do a job, right? I have confidence that our coaches and our players are going to do that. They're going to take that cool moment for what it is and see it real quick and then go, I have an opportunity to shock the world inside of this Coliseum right here. I have the, I have the opportunity to make history for you know the Herd fan base, for myself in this moment right here. So focus on your man. Focus on your job. Do your job. Play confident. You know where you're supposed to be. Don't second guess that. Do it. Be there, right? Play to win. Don't be afraid to take a little bit of a chance if you think you can make that play. Um, all these things are going to just have to just have to happen. And it's a mindset thing more so than a than a go out and execute thing. We have to execute, of course, of course. But our guys have to be aware of what's across from them. It's the same dude you've been blocking since you were six years old or whatever, you know, it's your, I got to block that guy. It doesn't matter if he's got a gold helmet on, right? It didn't matter if he has a, you know, a, a black app state helmet on or a red Louisiana helmet. It doesn't matter. I got to block that guy. So go do your job and, and do it with confidence and know that you're doing the right thing. You know, you're in the right place. 
My number three key to victory is maximizing opportunities, right? And that means when you're on offense and you have an opportunity to put points on the board, you got to get touchdowns and not just field goals, right? We have to, we have to be able to maximize those drives when you're on, um, when there's not an opportunity to score points, we have to make sure we're moving the ball so that we are setting Notre Dame up to have to make longer drives mm-hmm. instead of just a three and out and a quick punt. And now they only got to go 55 yards, you know, to score a touchdown, or they've only got to go, you know, 35 yards to get in field goal range or whatever the case may be. Maximize those opportunities. Do we have to be perfect? No, we don't have to be perfect, but we have to maximize our opportunities. We have to put points on the board when we can. We have to move the ball and 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 convert on those third downs and get that hardest yard we'll probably get of this of the of the early seasons right here, especially in the out of conference. I doubt there will be any more hard yards than in South Bend. And uh the turnovers, we talked about it. You know, we can we can have one. We can't have a catastrophic one. You know, it, is it gonna sputter things? Yeah. Turnovers always sputter things. But as long as we don't see them running the other way into the end zone. It's a storm we can weather, I imagine. The last key to victory for me, you can't fold. You cannot fold. It doesn't matter if you go down 21 to nothing real early in the second quarter. You cannot fold. You keep chopping wood. You keep on working. You keep on playing. And I hate to be corny and and talk about, you know, uh, something from the movie, but they they nail it in the movie. You may be behind on the scoreboard, but if you play with your all, you will not lose, right? It, it, there is something to be said with going up against a superior opponent and falling short, but giving it everything you have, right? So just never pack it in. Never pack it in. If we do all of those things, we have a real opportunity to win, a real opportunity to win. But of course, at the end of the day, it all comes down to scoring points and stopping the other team from scoring points. Uh, Russ, let's talk about a Thundercast player of the week. Who's your guy this week? I think it's going to come down to quarterback play and it's got to be Columbia. If, uh, if he has a bad day, I'll take it a step further. I was going to say if he has a bad day, we have no chance. I'm going to take it a step further and say he has to have an excellent day for us to win, which is two different things. So he's going to have to have a player of the game type game for us to win. So I'm taking Columbia. It's a good pick. And, of course, to go along with that, you have to see complimentary football, right? Your receivers can't be dropping passes. He can make the right reads and make the right throws, but if those guys aren't catching it – doesn't matter. And so, offensive line has the blocking to give him that opportunity. Well, so. thank you for the setup, Russ, because <laughs> my players of the game is, is the first cop out of the season, but it's one I firmly believe this is where it is, right? It's the herd offensive line and the herd defensive line. We have to win the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball or at least be competitive at the point of impact so that we are not constantly being pushed backward and putting our guys Uh, just speeding that clock up, right? Like speeding our quarterback's clock up because we can't sustain a pass rush or, um, you know, we, we, we can't, we, we can't uh, get any pass rush. We can't close a running lane. It's just tough. So that to me are, are, is my Thundercast players of the week, the hurt offensive and defensive lines. I know that was a cop out, but it is what it is. Uh, Do you have a score prediction this week for the herd and Notre Dame? I do. And I can't wait for all the hate mail. Heard 28, 
Notre Dame 23. Heard comes out with a victory. Oh, my goodness. Yep. Bring it on. I well, don't care. <laughs> I do not feel that good about it, but I do like the Herd to keep it respectable and uh, make a good showing and prove that they're a quality football team. If they happen to sneak out the win, they sneak it out. But give me the Irish in a 34-17 to victory. They do not want to go 0-2 on the season. This is their home opener. Uh, there's a lot of hype around this team with the new head coach. I just don't think they can afford to go out and lose to the Buckeyes by you know 11 and make it look good and then turn around and lose to Marshall. As much as I love the herd, as much as I would love to see a victory, I think there's too much at stake for Notre Dame and they just cannot afford the optics of being 0-2 to Ohio State and Marshall. I think that's true, but you know how it is, is you can – I mean, it's imperative for us to go up there and win, you know, to this is our only chance to do it. So it, you can't always just say, well, we have to, so we will, you know, yeah. I, I, I foresee, I mean, I don't know how, if this is the segment you want me to break it down, but why I picked that score is I foresee them having a lot of trouble scoring. And they kick three field goals on some drives because they drive and everything, but they have trouble scoring. I feel like our defense versus their problems that they're going to have on offense. I don't think they've got an amazing quarterback. I don't think with their number one receiver going out, unfortunately, for, you know, a second knee injury. Um, I know they're really good at tight end. I know they're really good on the offensive line. They did not impress very much with their rushing game. I know it was Ohio State they were going against, but I see them having a lot of trouble scoring, and I see us playing up to their level. Like, Marshall, how many times have you seen it go somewhere and they play up to that level? But I think that Ohio, uh, Ohio State uh, showed that not only they're that good on defense, but Ohio, uh, Notre Dame has some glaring issues on offense. I hope you're right. I hope it's a very, very much a bend-don't-break scenario for the Herd. I don't yeah. care if they give up 800 yards of offense if they only give up 18 points. Yeah. Like, I don't care uh, because I like our chances to, you know, in that type of game, if that's the game that gets played, I like our chances to to score 21, you know. But if they're moving the ball and, and you know, they, they – I mean, chunk plays – that's what worries me is the chunk plays on passing, you know, the five completions to the tight end to move the chains. The other five, four of those five went for super big chunk plays. And that's concerning to me because if they hit more and more of those this week, some of them are going to land in the end zone. And, mm -hmm. and that's, that's scary to me, but it is what it is. You like the herd to shock the world. I like the herd to keep it respectable and drop to one and one. It is. We will, uh, I don't know what the week, the bet is this week, but you got me so far. Uh, we'll figure did, it out. Did you pay up that dollar? I didn't pay anything. no, <laughs> I'm a welcher. <laughs> anyway, uh, if you got nothing else, let's take it around the herd so we can close out this episode. Yeah, let's do it. Let's start with men's soccer, which we highlighted earlier in the five things. But uh, last week when we were recording, you know, they they just lost that uh, game one to nothing at Butler. That was uh, Monday, eight twenty nine. We had actually recorded before that uh, episode dropped, so we did not have that score. Um, but then, as we mentioned, they came home. They beat number two Pitt, uh, two to one. They're now ranked eighth. They play 7 p.m. tonight at Cleveland State. We are recording here Wednesday night. But if uh, 
if this hopefully drops by Wednesday, maybe it doesn't drop until Thursday. I'm talking about 7 p.m. tonight, Wednesday. Then they play again Sunday at 1 p.m., and that is at home versus Pacific. And just to round out the stuff about soccer, Matthew Bell and Oliver Simla were named respectively the Sunbelt Offense and Defensive Players of the Week. Uh, don't forget that we will be giving away tickets to the game uh, against Pacific at the Vet. Uh, last couple of notes that I wanted to do. Remember, we started doing this last year, and I remembered when we were talking about accolades or whatever, who scored or whatever, I was trying to incorporate um, where they're from. And so I want to do that again, or their class status and where they're from. So Matthew Bell, of course, the freshman from Kingston, Jamaica, uh, with those two goals, moves him into a tie for the team lead with me. Milo Yosef with three. And then Oliver Simla is a grad student from Germany. Um, big crowd. I mentioned 1,879 at the vet for the game against Pitt. Wow. You love to see that. Every home game, we're going to be giving tickets away. And if you haven't seen where our seats are, I mean, they're pretty good. They're down low, row three. You know, you'll be ha you'll have a great view of the game. So when we put those contest tweets up, all you got to do is be following the Thundercast. <clears throat> and retweet that contest tweet for your opportunity to win tickets to the game. Staying Russ, on. Yeah. Staying where are we going on, next? Staying on the pitch, but the women's team, they've struggled here recently. They have three losses in a row. They lost three to one uh, to Ohio on eight twenty eight. lost to Liberty three to two on nine, one lost to Radford five to one on nine, four. Their next game is Sunday, nine eleven. And it'll be at Miami, Ohio, Little Miami. That's right. Cryami, the game will be in Oxford. So no tickets to that for us. But we need to end that three game losing streak. Come on, girls, let's get one. And no team better to start that win streak off with than putting one on Cryami. Staying with women, but going over to the volleyball court, uh, they took two of three at the Miami Invitational. They won three sets to none versus Bellarmine. They dropped two sets to three versus that Miami team. Um, and they won three sets to two versus Middle Tennessee State. They uh, had Caitlin Gaylor named Defensive Player of the Week for the Sun Belt. Awesome stuff. Uh, <clears throat> Caitlin is a fifth year from uh, Waterloo, Wisconsin. Volleyball team now is three and three on the season after you mentioned going two and one at that Miami Invitational. Next matches will be the Marshall invite at the CAM on September 9th and 10th. Uh, along with Marshall joining that invite will be Kent State, Murray State, and uh, Charleston Southern. So the girls are kind of hot right now. Let's see if they can keep it rolling with the um, Marshall invite. Uh, get your butts out there. Tickets are – I mean, there are no tickets. I was going to say tickets are free, <laughs> but admission is yeah. free. So yeah. head on over and watch the girls play some volleyball. Uh, they're pretty entertaining, and they're starting to get their groove. So get out there and support them. Cross Country had their meet that we had mentioned, the Mike Bomber Cross Country Classic. That was a 5,000-meter run on Friday. The women finished fourth overall. The men finished sixth overall. And Abby Herring placed second for the women. She lost by four seconds, and she led all but the last 300 meters of the race. So um, very good showing by Abby. 
and we hope to see some improvement, you know, as individuals and teams for our cross country as they go into their next meets. Well, let me tell you about that time that Abby posted 17 minutes and 23 seconds. That was on a 5k, right? Uh, that's only Russ, the fastest run in herd women's cross country history. So Abby Herring doing Abby Herring type stuff, picking up right where she left off from last year. Of course, now senior Abby Herring from Parkersburg, West Virginia. So, West Virginia's own doing West Virginia stuff at uh, Marshall University. Abby Herring just keeps on rolling. She was named Sunbelt Conference Runner of the Week for her effort. I mean, her racking up these Sunbelt Conference accolades. So congratulations to all of our guys and gals out there giving it hell on the field. Um, when you do your stuff, we're going to be bringing it to the fan base because these folks need to know what you're doing. And look at this. Abby running the fastest time ever this week. I mean – Good for her. We talked about her a lot last year or last season when we when they were finishing up with uh, cross country track and field type stuff and picking up right where she left off. So um, excellent stuff, Russ. Any if you got anything else, uh, let me have it. If not, let's have some parting words and we'll get the heck out of here. Uh, we've actually got a couple more things. Okay. Yeah. So men's golf on the links. Marshall finished eighth at the Earl Yestingsmeyer Invitational last weekend. Tyler Jones finished third overall, three shots off the lead. Next week, they host the Marshall Invitational right here at Guyane Country Club. Nice. That'll, that'll be Monday and Tuesday of next week. Women's golf, Monday and Tuesday. They will be in Cincinnati, Ohio, and that will be their first uh, match and tournament of the year. And then finally, baseball. Fall camps are kicking off on Monday, 9-12. Find this on Herd Zone uh, if you want more information, but this is for youngsters. I believe K through seven and it has uh hitting outfield and defense, that sort of thing, or maybe it's pitching was on there, but anyway, they have three on the 12th, three on the 19th, three on the 26th and so on and so on. And there are more fall and winter camp notes available, but that's cool. it for, that's it for around the herd, man, busy week. We're cranking up big time. And uh, it's nice to see, like I said before, we're starting to not just crank up and get going, but you know, we're starting to do things on a, conference of the week level you know yep. so pretty cool stuff if you uh, let's let's have those parting words before we can get the heck out of here big shout out to our sponsors we talked about ignite link and everything that they did for us over at uh, thundercast live but as every week you see they bring us five things every herd fan needs to know cannot forget about three or four car wreck making this all possible by being the show's sponsor Big shout outs to them. Please go show them some love on social media and use them for your needs. I would echo that. And I would also like to say once again, thanks to Mountain State Farm for sponsoring that first tailgate. Uh, the food was phenomenal. The quality of the meats was phenomenal. Um, Dan mentioned in the interview that they're going to be rolling out a uh, deliver, not delivery, a shipping, shipping. service uh, within the next month to six weeks. So go to mountainstatefarm.com, bookmark that site. If you are, you know, into that sort of thing and you're like hey i'll give those guys a shot i like the barbecue i like the grill i like to do all this kind of stuff give them a shot um uh, heard fans heard alums and uh local supporting local biz that's what it's all about thanks again to jed and all the guys at ignite link for powering that thundercast live it looked great and uh i would like to say now that we're like in the depths of uh you know football season uh this is an excellent opportunity if there's another business out there that's like you know what Maybe I want to sponsor a segment. Hey, we've got that weekly recap and the re and the weekly uh, preview that we can slide you right in there on if you're interested. So if you if you think 
I like what these guys are doing. I'd like to be a part of it. Well, we'd like to help promote your business as well. So give us a ring. Give us a, a, a send us a DM on Facebook or on on uh, Twitter, and we'll see if we can make that happen. Uh, also, if you're like, hey, maybe I'd like to get behind one of those tailgates as well. Reach out, DM. We'll see if we can make that happen. Um, it's an excellent opportunity for to get your business's name out there and a little bit of a uh, commercial type stuff. So we can we can provide some value to you for your target market, which is hey, herd fans, right? Yeah, game two is wide open right now for October the first. So That's right. hit us up. Uh, last note I'll say is I saw in passing earlier on the social media that uh, herd basketball all timer. John Elmore is down in Miami with a workout for the Heat, so maybe he can stick with the Heat in Miami. Uh, lots of support there for John. Um, hope he can uh, get an opportunity there to stick in the NBA. That'd be pretty sweet. So that's all I got, Russ. If you got nothing else, take us out of here. Whether you see us over at the dot, whether you see us at the cam, whether you see us up at Notre Dame, going to that great location up there and you see us on the road or if you see us over at thundercast live and we are trying to talk about some burn ins and your guest just takes your intro and outro right out <laughs> from you no matter where you see us we're gonna be saying go herd go herd it's the thundercast we'll see you next week later <laughs>